So as we get uh, ready to get started here today, um, let us ask the Lord to, to bless us. Our God and our Father, we thank you for this day. We pray that your uh, word would enlighten us, help us to understand you and our call better. Lord, may, may we rest in peace knowing that you have forgiven us our sins. We thank you, O Lord, for all your mercies. In Jesus' name, amen. So last week, we, we've, been, we've been having a, a variety of discussions here in Sunday School um, concerning doctrines of the church, um, the need to understand the centrality of the church. Uh, we had a little bit of discussion in relationship uh, to... Uh, where does dominion originate from, um, or who are the agents of uh, dominion, uh, which uh, of the institutions God has established, where do those lie with, and how that works. And so I thought I would, um, uh, we, I, I mentioned last week we would get more into this this week, and so um, we will do so. So I think uh, there are a couple of things I want to highlight here to start, um, and that is for us to, uh, we'll get into some, some uh, biblical proofs here in, in just a moment, uh, but I want us to um, consider uh, a couple of things that as, as kind of a lead-in here. So... Uh, the, the church, therefore, must be understood as the nursery of the kingdom as it nurtures and equips us to serve God in all facets of life. Um, so the kingdom grows out of the matrix of the institutional church with its various ministries and means of grace, word and sacrament. And I, that, I'm quoting um, a, a part of a paragraph out of uh, The Church and Arrivals by Rich Lusk. It's kind of a working document, as he likes to call it. The copy that I'm working out of is, is his third uh, revision on that. And uh, I, I just want us to, to come to an understanding in this way, um, if we consider this uh, quote as well. Um, in reality, the... Um, it says this, In reality, however, the church is the central sphere... Um, since, if for no other reason, is it is responsible for discipling the other spheres. In other words, what are the other spheres? We can see those clearly in the, the, the three ordained forms of government, right? Family, civil magistrate, um, and the church. And we can see that if the church is responsible for discipling and teaching and instructing, that they act as the central um, component. Now, um, I think that uh, there's a quote he has in his footnotes down here that I think, again, is additionally helpful just as thinking about this um, just a little bit. And it says this down in his footnotes, the organic conception of society is something of the late medieval and early reform social theorists, so, such as Johann Althanus um, and, and how he captured it. They understood that civil society was broader than the state. Instead, it consisted of, of a variety of institutions, including the family, civil uh, polity, um, trade guilds, schools, and so forth, with the church nestled snugly 
in the center. All these various institutions overlapped and interlocked in an organic network to form the society. And, you know, part of the context last week where we were having some debate was, you know, where is the central form of dominion taken? Is it the family? Is it the church? And, and understand a little bit of this is, is that there is some overlap. And yes, we certainly understand that dominion is taken by the family. When, when you're commissioned out, you're going out um, having been um, strengthened by word and sacrament, right? And you're going out with your family. And in that sense, you become the salt and light to the world. You, you develop um, and, take, and are taking dominion. But it emanates um, from within the church. Um, and, and finally, just... Uh, um, and a comparative thought just to, to lead in a little bit. I think it's helpful to consider this as well. A lot of times we, when we look at the creation account, we simply see the establishment of the family, and we fail to see where God is establishing his church. I mean, in the beginning, it's just two people, right? But when God created the world, he created the world um, as a sanctuary, the garden was the sanctuary of God, and, and uh, Adam played both the role of husband there, but also as the priest. He was the one to whom it was given with which to disciple and teach Eve. After all, if you know the narrative a little bit, you know that, um, that uh, Eve was not present when God gave the instruction, don't eat from the tree, right? So it was Adam's obligation, and obviously he did that. He spoke to her and said, God said, don't eat from that tree. And he was required in terms of the things relative to being in relationship with God to speak those truths and to teach her and also to form protection for her. And, of course, we know how that turned out. There's a failure there, and that causes them to be expelled from the place of relationship with God. Remember, God comes down in the garden in a way that he doesn't come down after that. Because of sin, they are divided um, from being able to come into the, the Holy of Holies, the place where we can see the face of God. It's now guarded by um, the cherubim and the flaming swords. And so... Um, some time ago when we were talking about, um, when I first arrived, we did some Sunday school uh, referencing um, why we worship the way we worship, and I had a little motif, a little drawing that, that shows the, the, the garden image of the garden itself, the land of Eden, and, and then finally the world, okay? which is the same design of both the tabernacle and the temple, the most holy place, the courtyard, and then um, the world. And we see that, you know, all the way into the temple. And so what, what we are seeing and understanding in our worship is that, you know, just like you would if you were um, in the old covenant, you would come in and you would con confess your sins and do a sin offering and then you would ascend into the presence of God, and then you move into 
um, the most holy place to the Holy of Holies where we're in uh, with God and in his house in worship. And so that's what we, that's the pattern that we use um, in our service and why we do uh, the things that we do. So I, I just, uh, you know, that's just some, some entry thoughts um, to consider. And so I want us, uh, again, just a, uh, a summary of uh, this much longer paper. I was looking for something that might bring a quick summary um, with some good scriptural references to it. Um, and if, uh, yes, sir. Right. So, so, yes, absolutely. And I would think, I think it even goes even in a greater way. Again, the, the church is to instruct the civil magistrate. If the civil magistrate, they need to be taught in disciples, like what is just war? What does the Bible say about how to conduct war and how we are um, uh, to do those things? But, but you can even think of it this way. Um, you know, when, when the civil government comes in and says the church should not worship, people should not gather, right? That's, one, that's, that's a place where not only the, the, the church is, it stands up and says no, um, but that is also the place where they have to um, rebel against and, and say, listen, you're, you're sinning what you're asking. Um, you know, we are, we are under Christ uh, himself. Yes, and I, and I know that that's not precisely what you're driving at, but there is that secondary component that fits into, um, yes, where we say, where someone says, because I, I wrote quite a few of those supporting letters and also put out the CRECs, you know, along with that, our, our statement where we're instructing um, the government and pushing back. And yes, so so I, I think this is, if, if, if you read through a lot of this documentation a lot of these it'll talk about how these these the line is not always clear and direct yes they do overlap Okay. So right, right. So, so I I would take I, I think uh, Doug answered that question uh, much more winsome than I could, but essentially, um, you know, give grace um, to one another in this. What's that?
Right. Yes, go ahead. Yes, ma'am. That's who he's talking about. Yes. I beg your pardon, what did you say? Yeah. Well, well, and and that and 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 right. So, so, I, I'm going. I'm going to say that I chose my word poorly there, <laughs> in it, because I want to be absolutely clear. I see that the church is uh, the central thing, and and to the point that he made about all these other spheres, right? Um, you know, the church is in the center. The church is responsible to teach, disciple, rebuke, discipline, right? Um, so in, in that in that regard, um, I think that the church is has a, a higher authority because they, they are carrying the responsibility of speaking for God into um, all these other spheres. I also think there's a practical application. When you become a member of the church, um, you, you say that you'll submit uh, to the to the elders, and that's always tricky because the elders can be, you know, we're fallible. Um, we can we can uh, make mistakes. We can become tyrants, um, and and at the same time, th- there's a there's a component of that where I think it's very important for your children to see that you are submitting yourself to to Christ, right? And, and so, like being careful in your own realm, where you recognize, say, as a husband or a father, that. If you sin against your, or let me change that, when you sin against your wife and kids, you you go to them and you, um, apologize, you know, you you ask for forgiveness and restoration to God. You go to your wife, you go to your children, and you do the same thing, thus demonstrating you're under the authority um, of Jesus Christ. And of course, then if if a, for example, I'm just picking a husband or a father, if they if they fall into a place where um, they are um, not conducting themselves well, then the, then the elders of the church are required to uh, call them to repentance and bring discipline if, na- if necessary. Yeah. 
So I, I think that it is, boy, uh, yes, it is, it is above in the sense that all things emanate from it. Um, no, I understand what you're saying, but I see it going in, in the sense of this way, maybe inverted the other way, right? Okay. That's exactly right. So, so, so we don't. Right. So, so, yeah. So, for example, a good example of this is the sword. We are not to execute someone, right? So that belongs in in the realm of the civil magistrate. Now, if the that was God Himself. Um, well, but, but you see, what we would need to do is we would, the way the word is laid out is we would need to um, hold that court and then turn them over to the civil magistrate for that purpose, right? Because God has said that belongs to the civil magistrate, not to the church. And, and you, you might say, um, well, I, I don't know if I, if I see it that way historically, but remember Jesus his coming and the establishing, establishment of the new covenant is the line of demarcation, right? Where um, the things begin, God clarifies um, his intent uh, in this. And during the time of the Old Testament, the, the lines were a little more blurred up until the, the time that there's kings, right? You have, you have the, um, the priests, acting as both the instructors and teachers of God's word and then also carrying out um, the issues of the civil magistrate because at that point they're, they're completely a theonomy outside of having a king. And, and this is where you, when God establishes the kingship, right, then, then the part of the civil magistrate, that part begins to develop. And, and yet you see that David still has to be called out by the prophet Nathan when he sins and repentance has to come and, and he has to be restored in that way, but certain things are given uh, to him. So I don't know if that answers all your questions, but we're going to be, yes. Mm-hmm. I beg your pardon. One hundred percent. That's right. We're all constrained, whether it's the church or the lesser magistrate. We're all constrained by God's word. Sure. Well, there, there's certainly a, a point where, you know, defending, um, there may be a place to, to do that, certainly. I mean, I'd certainly say this, if the, for lack of a better term, we've been talking about the Chinese, if the Chinese showed up on our shores and they were, their army was marching across here, w would I assist in the defense of our, of our, of our people and land? The absolute answer to that is yes, okay, but 
but but I think I think that's um, those are more exceptional circumstances. Is there? I think there are things you can apply there as well uh, in the scriptures. Although I might argue that it would be, for, for me, it would be a white robe, not a black robe. So. Black, black can hide the blood better. <laughs> yeah, I don't run very fast. <laughs> All right, very good then. Um, let, let's just uh, begin to work this out a little more in, in some detail here. Um, and uh, again, this is a, a condensed version um, that I'm, I'm using here. That, that Rich Luss put out last November on the Kyperion. Um, anyone familiar with that? Uh, okay. Um, and, and he begins by say, saying this, and I'm just going to read the first paragraph, and then we're going to hit some of the, the biblical references. And again, we're going to be building through this over the coming weeks. Ecclesiocentrism is incredibly simple to understand and absolutely unambiguous in Scripture. The church is the central and most important thing in the world and in history. That is, that's the fundamental claim. Ecclesiocentrism can be found on almost every page of the Bible. So here are some examples. (coughs) So in Genesis chapter 12, verse 2, it says, This is God speaking to Abraham. And remember, the people of Israel are the... um, the, the, uh, becoming the church here and it says this I will make you a great nation I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed so the world is blessed by the church and those that bless the church God blesses and those that persecute the church God brings curses upon so um, I think that is that is important for us to recognize we can, we can see that God rules all things for the sake of his church. And we find this in Ephesians 1. Uh, we'll, I'll read the passage here to you. It's verses 15 through 23. But especially uh, look at verses the last two verses, 22 and 23. And this is Paul speaking um, through the inspiration of God. Therefore also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints... Do not cease, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in all my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places, far above every principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age that is to come. And then here, here this, uh, you know, 21 leads into that, what I just read, and now 22, and he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills and all, and we feel pretty comfortable when we put this through the lens of saying he's put all things under him. When we think about the civil magistrate, right? We're very comfortable with it. Yeah, yeah. When we think about the fact that the church has been given authority 
um, in also teaching, instructing, um, calling to repentance, all the things that are in discipling, which does require a certain level of authority. Um, we get a little less enthusiastic when its application comes to us ourselves and in our own families. And I'm not saying we reject it all the way, but, but it's important in understanding that it is his church to whom he has given this to. Right, so the authority that, so the uh, the authority that he is, uh, that has been given to him, right, and he gave the church to him, but that authority flows outward. We are God's agents here um, on on earth. So we carry the the as the church. And by the way, I, I just want to be very clear. I am not trying to put a power play so that you think your pastor or the elders of your church or the elders in any church, um, you know, they control. Um, it, it, they're not tyrants. But the keys of the kingdom have been given to them, right? We can see that elsewhere, right? So the keys of the kingdom have been given to them. Whose kingdom? Christ's kingdom, right? So he... so. Um, I, I think this fits in uh, with the, 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 the larger texts when you look at where does the authority come from, how does it operate, and in what way does it work. Yes, David. Well, so, 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 uh, so, so let me, let me, let me just, one of the problems that we have is that the church is terribly fractured and we don't stand in agreement with one another. We need the unity of the church, right? One of the problems, you know, like right now, if, if uh, you get crossways with somebody or your church, you know, just next week you roll down the street, go somewhere else and excuse me and in many cases the other church doesn't care where you came from or, or how you left it or what the circumstances are <laughs> that's right um, and 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 that's that's really unfortunate and the other thing is I think that we have uh, because we have minimized the Lord's table and its significance and its importance because of that um, I don't think we recognize the the power of excommunication and the table 
Um, even the, the Roman church um, is, is in terrible disarray for not excommunicating um, all these uh, Roman Catholics who are um, clearly disobedient in the most heinous ways in support of abortion and many other things. And, and they need to be following the scriptures and excommunicate them. And by not excommunicating them, what we are in doing is we're, we're essentially, uh, you know, setting Satan loose and wickedness abounds. But when we excommunicate, when we discipline, when we call people to repentance, when we do the things that we're supposed to do as the church, um, we begin to bind Satan. We begin to, to um, lock him down. That's part of the keys of the kingdom. And, and so, um, I, and, and we are going to get to Matthew 28 that fits into to the greater part of this. I think, again, when, when we're looking at these things, we have to say, uh, what does the whole scripture say um, concerning um, this authority? Where he has given him the bride, but then the bride is then given the authority that he has. Um, <clears throat> we also see that, um, you know, when we baptize babies, we sing Psalm 128, right? All right, and uh, Psalm 128, verse 5 says this, The Lord bless you out of Zion, that you may see the good of Jerusalem all the days of your life. And that's speaking to the, to the blessed man, right? Um, so where, where does this come from? Who is, um, who is Zion? Who is the new Jerusalem? Hebrews 12:22 tells us, But if you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly of the church of the firstborn, who are registered in heaven to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood and the sprinkling that speaks of things than that of Abel. And so... Here's the thing. You have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, the innumerable company. The church is the new Jerusalem. The church is the one from that, that the, the healing of the nations come through the Spirit's flow out, right, from the throne of God. And so we are the new Jerusalem. We are Jerusalem. So the blessings that come to the man come through Jesus Christ through his church. Uh, in Matthew chapter 5, actually, uh, we see, uh, we'll be, that's our text for today. Um, but the church is salt and light, right? So all of the things relative to bringing the light to the world, the city on a hill, that new Jerusalem, we bring the light so people know what, what right and wrong is, where to meet God, all the things relative to that, where, where the salt which is tied to the salt and worship. And when we live our lives um, accordingly, according to God's word, that, that causes us to be distinct, right? And we, we begin to salt the earth and change the earth and bring about change. So it is both a, a seasoning of wor sacrificial worship to God, but also um, an it also brings about change in the world. And, and what does Jesus say? That, that when you don't follow God, when you, then, then you're just worthless salt, and I throw you out, and you, you make no change. Um, we can see that cultural restoration is tied to the church. 
if you look at uh, the prophet Haggai in uh, chapter 1, beginning at verse 7, here God is speaking uh, to the people of Israel through the prophet. And he says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Go up to the mountains and bring wood and build a temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. You have looked for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, says the Lord of hosts, because of my house that is in ruins, while every one of you runs to his own house. Therefore the heavens above you will withhold the dew, and the earth uh, withholds its fruit. For I called for a drought on the land and the mountains, on the grain and in the new wine and oil, and whatever the ground brings forth of men and livestock and of the labor of your hands. So everything that we do, all that we're trying to prosper in, all the world around us, when, when the church neglects the worship of God, which includes his house, but we are the living temple, when we neglect the care of worship and being the temple, then, then what happens? God restricts. Uh, he brings poverty. He, he, he keeps things from being successful. So, so what then, right? That means that the church has to change. We see in 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning in verse 17, that judgment begins with the church. For the time has come for the judgment to begin at the house of God, and it begins with us first. What will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? So again, if you're going to see, you see this narrative that the, what the church, the way the church goes, right? When the church fails to be obedient to God, fails to do the things that they're supposed to do, fails to discipline all those uh, around them, all the other spheres, when they don't worship God and they don't instruct and disciple as they ought, all of culture is restricted. And judgment does begin in the house of the Lord. Uh, we, we also see um, that the discipleship of the nations in every sphere begins with the church. And this is the Matthew 28 passage. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. And, of course, the Lord says, Amen. That is, surely so be it. And so he begins this passage by saying, All authority has been given uh, to me on heaven and on earth. And so we are to go and make those disciples. I, I, I want to just mention two other things here briefly, and we'll study these more in length as time goes on. Um, but but the, the sacraments are important, right? You know, we know that you call upon the Lord and, and you confess Christ and you ask for forgiveness of sins, and then you're what? You're baptized. And the scripture shows us that, that baptism, um, although the... You know, this is always a tricky tension, right? But it's the waters of baptism are the entrance to the church, right? Now, again, I'm, I'm not, you baptize your, your baby, that child has to grow up and claim the promises that God has given him through that baptism and believe themselves and live a penitent life and all of those things. I'm, that's notwithstanding, 
But at the same time, th this is the way the scripture speaks, right? Um, you know, we can see this in, in a variety of places. And so um, we come in, and so if, you, if you're going to be part of the church, um, you don't want to stand in disobedience and not be baptized, right? Be baptized, you become the body of Christ. That, that sacrament of baptism is absolutely essential. And then um, we find also that the table, the Lord's table, is essential. First of all, um, and, and I think there'll be a time here um, coming up here pretty soon Well, I'll do a sermon on the Lord's table a little bit, and, and we'll talk about that mostly because I want all of the church to hear it and not just um, Sunday school. But, but I want us to recognize the importance of the Lord's table. It matters. If, if, the, if the Lord's table doesn't matter, if it's not important, if it has no, no real meaning other than something simple we do for ourselves, if God is not doing something in it, then what difference does it make if we bar somebody from the table? Right? As we have, as we, as we have said that the sacraments... As we have minimized the sacraments historically in the church, what has happened is we have undermined the authority of the church. It means nothing. Uh, we'll do it every once in a while when it matters. I was very pleased to hear Horace and I had lunch this past week with the pastor at South Shore Baptist. It was really uh, a good time. But they practice the Lord's table every week. Um, that is such a great thing to rejoice with. The church right down the road that ordinarily being Baptist probably doesn't do that every week and they're they're practicing that they're glorifying God in that there they he sees the uh, theology of the, the Lord's table as being very important it's very interesting when you think about that the fall of man began with a forbidden meal right and on the Lord's day restoration is manifested in the meal that we have in the sanctuary so God makes things right by um, having a correct and right meal of his son so that we remember that Christ is the one who has brought us to the Father and has united us together. We are one body. So we are out of time. I'll allow for a few questions. Um, uh, yeah, I'll go ahead and share a little bit here. He's, he's still um, having some struggles. Uh, we will be praying for him in, in the service today. Um, please continue to uphold our brother. He is not well, and they are trying to sort through um, what, you know, what the issues are. I've asked. They, they have not uh, shared. But, <laughs> but, but I would say this, reach out as a body. Um, let them know you're praying. Let them know that you're happy to provide anything they need. I would encourage you um, in that. Um, I, I think one of the, the things in here, too, that, that um, if you can, when you see the needs come out, letting people know, um, you know, send them a text, give them a call, show up if you can. And I know that's not always practical for you or maybe practical for them if somebody's in the ER. Maybe they don't want 80 um, text messages. <laughs> Right, but but at the same time, finding ways to, to encourage. He's not, he's not, but I'm just saying, you know, um, he's at home. Um, he had more tests uh, Friday. He had, he's got more tests. He's got more tests and uh, doctor's visits scheduled for Monday. 
Um, he is tearing at home because, um, as most of us recognize, it's going to be very stressful if you are um, if you're in the hospital. So, um, any other questions? All right, very good. Let us ask the Lord uh, to bless us here today. Heavenly Father, we give you praise. We thank you for the great mercy that you've provided for us through your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for bringing us into your house today. Please prepare our hearts for worship and the renewal of your covenant promises to us, not of our own worthiness, not of our own strength, but strictly of your mercy, having chosen us. We give you gratitude in Jesus' name. Amen.